Welcome to a new episode of the Bold Take Podcast. I'm Austin Waiter. You got this man next to me uh, with a fun little wood background. You got Austin Hill here. Nice little background you got here. Uh, obviously, the elephant in the room. Uh, we're not next to each other. Uh, had yeah. some wonderful winter weather come through, to say the least. You know, being called the Arctic Hammer makes it sound really good, Austin. I mean, yeah, uh, it has been an eventful week uh, so far. Um, obviously, uh, schools were already out on Monday uh, due to Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and now Tuesday and Wednesday, basically uh, a two-day weekend or a two-day week if you're uh, a teacher like my girlfriend is. Um, but, yeah, uh, just at home in the confines and uh, having to do this the old remote way. Hopefully uh, we don't have any hijinks like we usually do when we try to get these episodes out. Yeah, never forget the amount of uh, gronk jokes you made. Um, whenever we tried to do that via the snow, I think you did that like same joke three times. And then you said Grant tried to listen to it. And he's like, he's like, he didn't seem really fond of the joke. You're right. That's because that was like the fifth time he heard it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I was just about to bring that up that, that moment, because yeah, uh, like you said, uh, I, I, I only had so much material to go through and I really thought that was a good joke. So I stuck to it the whole time, but yeah. Uh, I can imagine that it wasn't quite as funny the seventh time around. Yeah, but we're going to do NFL episode here. I know what you're asking. Where's the college football awards you talked about last week? Well, we're, we're wanting to do that one in person together. We're, we're saving that for in person together. So that will probably be next week whenever we do that one or the week after that. Uh, so, yeah, but we're going to do this NFL episode via Zoom for you all today. And I guess without further ado, let's get into it and. You know, Austin, we had plenty of coaching news last week. Um, we already had some more. Uh, the Patriots officially parting ways with Bill Belichick and also making the first head coaching hire of the offseason, hiring Gerard Mayo, the former linebacker and linebackers coach for the Patriots, as their new head coach. And, uh, yeah, just your thoughts on it. This is obviously, I mean, you're saying goodbye to a coach who won you six Super Bowls, and you're replacing him with a disciple of his own. So, I mean, it it's a unique situation, I think. Yeah, uh, I mean, it much like Saban retiring, it, this kind of felt like it was on the horizon since the beginning of this season, uh, that this could be it for Belichick and the Patriots. Um, but, again, it's another one of those things that still is kind of a, a shock to see. You know, you think about uh, longer than either of us have been alive, this guy's been the head coach of the New England Patriots. And so it, it is going to be a, a much different landscape out there. But um, – I'm a fan of the Gerard Mayo hire. He's a guy who has only ever known Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. So if there's anybody you want to kind of follow him up, it's going to be somebody like that, somebody who is, you know, uh, cut from the same cloth, somebody who uh, brings that same kind of mentality. Um, my only concern with Gerard Mayo is he's never been a coordinator. Um, so this is a pretty big step up from linebacker coach to head coach. Um, but uh, again, I, I don't disagree with the mentality of at least going with somebody who's like Belichick. Um, and then from there, if that doesn't work out, then maybe it's time to start branching out and completely kind of rebrand the coaching. But I, I think this is ultimately the right move. I think it's a, a move that's going to keep plenty of fans on board um, right now. Um, and it definitely makes parting with Bill Belichick, I think, a little bit easier for now. And then, again, if you need to go to a full-scale coaching change in culture change, uh, now that seems to be on the table maybe more in the next couple of years if this doesn't work out for Gerard Mayo. 
that that's my my thinking here is they wanted to kind of keep the same culture but it just kind of just move on with it because it just felt like it needed a change there um but i will say it was probably the most mutual of parting of ways between them and i guess i mean you add in the fact that robert Kraft's known him since you know he got hired he's been through them through all the super bowls all the changes and everything so i mean it just kind of felt like hey listen it's 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 not you it's me it has nothing to do with what you done in the past it's just it's just time we need to we need a change and i think that's what happened there but yeah already the first cycle i think jerron mayo could be a fun hire um my only question like you said is you know no coordinating experience really um but he's a been a part of part of that belichick way plus i mean he was drafted by the patriots played for him worked his way up in the coaching staff so he knows obviously a lot being that linebacker coach and coaches some great linebackers there and playing with some great linebackers. So uh, I'm intrigued to see what he does. I'm also intrigued to see what he thinks they should do come NFL draft time. Cause I mean, there's, there's an obvious question there about the quarterback position and overall just the future of this roster. So it should be fun there. Um, some more coaching news line real quick. Uh, speaking of Belichick man is making his round uh, did an interview with the Atlanta Falcons on Monday. So that kind of comes full circle yeah. when you think about it. Um, Falcons also on Tuesday interviewed Jim Harbaugh, the Michigan coach. Um, and at least in my opinion, I'll get your opinion here in a sec, Austin, about what you think if Harbaugh is really coming back to the NFL here. Because, look, everyone from that Michigan team's declared for the NFL draft. Even J.J. McCarthy, who we call the best college quarterback ever. Um, de- debatable statement, we'll, we'll just say that. Um, but do you think he's a hundred percent coming back with that amount of talent that's leaving? Um, so I, I've seen, I don't know if you've seen, but he has a list of interesting demands in his contract negotiations with Michigan right now. Um, if you haven't seen it, uh, just to basically put it in layman's terms, he is looking for full immunity, uh, from the whole Michigan cheating scandal, uh, he's looking for any fines that he may receive to be covered by the university. He's looking to face no no more games suspended. Um, he does not want to be the guy that has to take the fall for this anymore. Um, so to me, I don't think that it's impossible that we see him back in Michigan. But obviously, asking for full immunity from the university is something that they cannot completely grant. Um, and so it's basically going to come down to, I think, what happens with the NCAA's investigation. I think that's the first step. Um, what they come uh, and they determine with this uh, cheating scandal and the punishment that they decide, I think, goes a long way in deciding if Harbaugh comes back or not. Obviously, you know, even if he faces zero punishment, I, I don't think that there's a huge chance that he comes back. Um, but I think that's certainly, obviously, with what he's asking uh, a good start for college football. But I, I think you see so many guys leaving. Um, you go out on top in the national championship. Uh, surely he's got to know, I mean, with the demands, he's going to be punished to some capacity if he comes back to college football. Uh, I think this all sets up a comeback to the NFL. And uh, I don't know if Atlanta is exactly the right place for him, um, but it certainly would be an interesting place to see him. Yeah, I think it'd be interesting, and I I saw a thing on uh, the internet that made me think it would would work out uh, to coach who runs the ball forty plus times a game. Uh, you know, B. John Robinson, anyone, and uh, utilizes the tight end in the offense, Kyle Pitts. I mean, it's it's fair when you look at it that way, 
but obviously the big thing is, you know, he doesn't have a quarterback there. Uh, Harbaugh also interviewed, like I said, Chargers job about a day or two before that. The Chargers job is intriguing. Obviously, they have Justin Herbert. Um, they're going to have a new GM that he can work with from the start. Um, and I, I honestly think he is coming back to the NFL. At least I think so, because uh, I think had he lost the national championship, we might be hearing a different story here. But, I mean, he accomplished it in college football. I don't know what else there is to accomplish for him at that level besides, you know, just constantly. But you look at the amount of talent he lost, the amount of guys declaring to the NFL draft this year. Um, in my opinion, I think you kind of have to take a coaching job this year. And if he wants J.J. McCarthy as his quarterback, you take that Falcons job because he'll definitely be there at that Falcons pick, at least. You know, at least I'm hoping so. I'm not. I'm hoping we don't have the Mac Jones situation with the from the draft with the 49ers like three or four years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't know uh, how I feel necessarily about J.J. McCarthy being a first-round prospect all of a sudden. Neither. Um, it is certainly concerning um, to me because that's a guy who did not throw the ball a lot to close out his final year uh, in college football. But he would be a guy that knows the hardball offense pretty well. He would be a guy that would be pretty comfortable in handing the ball off and only having to make a small amount of throws throughout the game. Um, so it'd be interesting, uh, to see, uh, Harbaugh pair up with him if, uh, you know, indeed he gets somewhere where he needs a quarterback. Um, but yeah, I, I think he's got to head back to the NFL. If I was him, I'd be doing anything I could to get that Chargers job. You've got Justin Herbert. Um, you've got a new GM coming in. I would say both of those guys, if Harbaugh is the guy that comes, uh, into Los Angeles, I think you and the GM need to sit down and say, with Austin Eckler and say, what do we need to do to get you back? Uh, because obviously having him with Justin Herbert, and especially I think he could be a weapon in that hardball offense. We saw just how valuable Corum and Donovan Edwards were, uh, not just to the run game, but the receiving game, a couple points in the national championship where they were able to just dump it off to Corum or Edwards and those guys get the big first downs. Um, obviously, we know what Eckler's capable of. He's one of the best backs in the NFL um, at his very best, he can rival Christian McCaffrey as one of the uh, best players to have in the entire NFL with his uh, ability to seemingly find the end zone. So I think if Harbaugh gets out there for the Chargers, that's the first thing on the list is get Austin Eckler back. Anyway, uh, anyway. Uh, ab absolutely. Absolutely. But enough about that. We're going to have more coaching news, probably talk here in a couple of weeks whenever we do our full recap and offseason preview for each of the teams. Let's talk about these playoffs and – I'm not going to lie to you, probably some of the ugliest playoff games we've had in recent memory. I believe I saw the stat. This is five of the six wildcard games were decided by 14 or more points, the most ever in the wildcard round in NFL history. Um, that includes strike seasons, too. But we'll recap them. First one, Texans. My man here, he he nailed it. Texans money line against the Browns. They absolutely destroyed Cool Joe and the Cleveland Browns, 45-14. Um, and let's face it, the turning point in that game was the back-to-back -back pick sixes. I mean, once those back-to-back -back pick sixes happened, it just it just the floodgates opened up. There was no chance they were coming back after it. Um, but credit to C.J. Stroud, first playoff game. Uh, I think it's safe to say he handled the pressure pretty well. And, I mean, he keeps on proving, Austin, that he's just on a different level as a rookie. Yeah, uh, you know, we said he would be good at the NFL. We said he was the best NFL-ready prospect in this draft. Um, I didn't think he would be this good. Uh, I thought this team would get to the playoffs. I thought they'd win the division. I even thought they'd win this game. 
Um, but I just d- didn't see CJ Stroud being uh, this elite. It, it just seems like he has no weaknesses. Uh, there's nothing that affects him. And he just, it, it feels like he knows everything there is to know about the NFL style of football. And he's only been in the league for almost a year now. Yeah, built on a different level, but good job for him and D'Amico Ryan's getting to that AFC divisional round. Uh, the Browns, you know, look, uh, I would say you're doing good, but the amount of injuries you suffered this past year, and I mean, let's be honest, Joe Flacco's not your future at quarterback. I don't know if you think Dorian Thompson Robinson is. I don't think P.J. Walker is. You got a quarterback who is due a lot of money that you signed him to and trade a lot of picks for, and you just lost to the team that traded him to you. So the, the Browns are in – an interesting quarterback situation heading into this offseason, to, to say the least. But they have a talented roster. It's just truly figuring out that quarterback who's fully going to lead this offense and, you know, hopefully don't risk getting as many injuries as they did this year. Yeah, uh, I, I think a big worry for the Cleveland Browns is consistency going into next season. Um, I mean, you talk about all those injuries, um, but especially at the quarterback position, like you said, Joe Flacco's not the future. He's probably not even going to be back next year uh, for this team. So uh, it's about finding some consistency, especially at the quarterback position, because this team was good. But I would argue that uh, a big reason this team took a big swing uh, was being able to get a guy like Joe Flacco to come in and play as well as he did. Um, and so it's a wonder when Joe Flacco leaves and Deshaun Watson comes back, uh, is this, you know, going to be the same team with the same success? And I just don't know if that's the case uh, out there in Cleveland. So uh, maybe I'm wrong and maybe this is a great building point for this team. But uh, I, I just think, um, you know, I don't think Deshaun Watson's going to be able to replicate this same kind of success, at least the way he's played so far in Cleveland. Yeah. Um, say, say there's going to need to be a lot of adjustments on his part and just overall in that offense. But yeah, Texans are moving on. Another AFC team moving on from Saturday, the Kansas City Chiefs um, in the frigid temperatures of Arrowhead. I mean, I I mean, I you saw, no, you saw the ticket prices. You could get to that game for $30. And if it was, if I was not in Memphis on Friday night going to my uh, first NBA game, I might have considered making that trip to that game. Because not many times you're going to get to go to a playoff game for $30. So even uh, if it was an ugly game, the Chiefs win 26 to 7. Um that was just not a good day for that Miami Dolphins offense. Really couldn't get anything going. Uh, passing the ball with Tui, he struggled. They tried running the ball somewhat. It just it never seemed to work against the Chiefs at home. And, yeah, it was just overall not the prettiest game in the world for the exclusive Peacock playoff game. Yeah, uh, it was kind of trouble uh, from the beginning uh, for the Dolphins. Uh, the big thing to me in this game, as you know, you see the Dolphins and the lack of success they had throwing the ball, and you you could say, oh, it's the cold temperatures. But you look at the score, 26-7, to 7, and this was more than just the temperatures. Uh, the Chiefs were able to find some success on offense in this game. Uh, this came down to the Dolphins not showing up on offense. Um, if this game had been, you know, 13-7, then you say, oh, in, in, in Miami or in better conditions, Miami might win this game. But – here, you just say Miami didn't show up, and it didn't matter where we played, rain or shine, snow, sleet, hail. Uh, this team just did not show up and did not deliver in any capacity. Uh, and it's a wonder, I hate to put this out there, but it's a wonder if Miami maybe looks to make some moves this offseason 
um, to find somebody else. I don't think that would be the right decision. I think Tua and Mike McDaniel have a great relationship, and I think that that's uh, the way it should stay. But, you know, how quick this uh, team is in upper management and ownership is to jump ship and find somebody new, whether that's a head coach or quarterback, as soon as they decide they've had enough. Yeah, don't forget about the Adam Gase, Ryan Tannehill era in Miami before that. So yeah, um, who knows about that? But my big thing with Miami, it was just Mike Mike McDaniel's offense in that game. Uh, I just I know part of it's Tua taking the checkdowns, but I feel like they were just not being aggressive offensively at all. I mean, the amount of screen passes I saw in that playbook. Look, I get you want to run a couple screen passes a game. Get your speed guys in a position where they can use their speed to go upfield, make it easier for your quarterback to get to injuries. But running t- double digit plus screen passes consecutively, especially when it's like third and 10 or th- second and 15, it, it rarely is going to work out in your favor that many times. And I mean, the only thing I'd say that would have helped Miami is maybe opening up the playbook more. But then you saw Tua make some of those struggles with the interception. So I kind of get it. But um, honestly, I'm kind of with you. I would not be surprised if they look to go a little bit of a different direction this offseason, maybe with head coach. I don't know. Um, but it would not surprise me at all. I think they're still committed to Tua for at least another year because this was his first ever playoff game he started in. So I think he gets another year. Mike McDaniel, maybe another year. Um, but this second straight year in a row that they're just collapsing down the stretch. And that's got to be something that they're going to want to improve on. Um, or else, yeah, there's going to be some changes in Miami. But Chiefs get the win. Um, they're going to have to go on the road, though, this next weekend, so we'll talk more about that in a second. Let's get to Sunday's game. Sunday, of course, this will be where Steelers and Bills played, but lovely weather conditions in Buffalo moved that game to Monday, so we'll talk about that in a bit. Packers and Cowboys. Wow, wow, wow. I mean, you know, Austin, there were a lot of games this weekend, but this is the one I – I won't say that was the best one, but it was one of those, oh my gosh, what am I witnessing here games? Uh, Packers win at 48-32 on the road in Dallas, was never really even close at all. Jordan Love, 272 yards passing, three touchdowns, zero interception, basically a perfect passer rating for Jordan Love in his playoff debut. And hey, props to this Packers team as the seventh seed. I know you hate doing it, and I know you hate seeing that Packers QB another yeah. round of good Packer QB. Um, but they balled out in this game against the Cowboys. You got to give them credit. Yeah, absolutely. They played a great game, and the Cowboys just stood no chance. Um, uh, I think that the Packers passing offense really showed out in this game. Uh, it was impressive. Um, it'll be exciting to see them uh, take on the 49ers next week and uh, what kind of matchup that churns out. Um, but – the the big thing for me is this is uh, another disappointing season for Mike McCarthy, another fall apart in the divisional round. Um, obviously, you got to think there are some questions around his job. Obviously, there were reports coming into the postseason that his uh, future with Dallas was going to heavily depend on his performance in the postseason this year. Um, and then uh, I'm sure you saw it. Uh, Dak Prescott after the game, uh, they asked him about Mike McCarthy and Mike McCarthy being on the hot seat. And Dak Prescott said, and quote, uh, if he's on the hot seat, then I should be on the hot seat. Well, Dak, you are on the hot seat. You've been on the hot seat. Um, you haven't really delivered the last few years. You come into this year, you get everybody believing you're an MVP candidate and you fall apart in the first round uh, uh, yet again. So 
Yes, Dak, you are on the hot seat. That's not uh, news. At least to me, that's not news. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you heard my dog barking in the background there. I mean, he even agrees Dak's on the hot seat. So um, that 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 tells you something about it. Uh, yeah, Mike McCarthy, I mean, look, he was questioned whenever he was hired there, um, considering the fact that he said he watched every single game of the Cowboys last year, which he later added on was a lie to get the job. I mean, if that's not a red flag right away, I don't know what is. Um, but you're looking at consecutive 12 win season. I think it's three years in a row. You're not even getting to a conference championship one of those three years. I mean, it, it's it's an interesting spot. I know you're going to say, well, Trayvon Diggs was out for your draw. Bland stepped up. That defense just fell apart in this wild card game. And, yeah, there's a lot of question marks for, you know, the great Jerry Jones to decide this offseason. And he better decide fast if he wants Bill Belichick or not because he already took that interview with the Falcons. So, um, Jerry might want to get some pep in his step, or you could get Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy Johnson's halftime speech at, during that game got me ready to run through a wall. So if you want to yeah. hire Jimmy Johnson back, I wouldn't say no to it. But Green Bay Packers become the first seven seed uh, to beat a two to win a playoff game uh, since they added that seven seed into it. And it's great that this year, at least on the NFC side, we don't have to look at that seven seed as a "what are you doing here" team because they clearly show yeah. that they're they're here to win some ball games, but. They're playing an opponent, again, they know very well in the San Francisco 49ers next weekend. Let's get to the best game of the wild card weekend. Actually, the one close game, really, of wild card weekend. Lions defeating the Rams 24-23 to on Sunday night. Ford Field was electric, to say the least, that I mean, had all the celebrities out in Detroit. I mean, you even got Calvin Johnson to come back for a game, so that tells you how great of an environment that was. Um, but for the Lions, this was a game that, Honestly, in the first quarter, really the second quarter, I thought they were going to pull away and just blow out the, the Rams in this game, got off to a double-digit lead. But credit to the Rams, credit to Matthew Stafford, Puka, Nakua, and them. They were able to keep this game close, and down the stretch in the fourth quarter, it felt like they were going to win. Lions defense gets a stop, and then gutsy Dan Campbell scoring a touchdown on fourth and one earlier in the game, and then second and nine. When all you need to do is run the ball and not get the Rams a lot of time, he's like, no, I'm. we're going to throw it to our number one receiver, pick up that first down, and seal the deal. So they get that win, and they're getting another home playoff game this weekend, Austin. Yeah, it's really incredible what they've been able to do out there in Detroit and really turn it around and uh, make something happen out there. But, man, uh, this this team looks hard to stop right now. Um uh, I don't know if they're going to make a huge run into this postseason, but they look good, and uh, obviously they're riding high right now. Um, but they'll meet uh, another team that's riding pretty hot and heavy right now uh, in the next round. I'm sure we'll talk about them in just a second. The the man, the myth, the legend that is Baker Mayfield. We'll get to him in a second. But honestly, credit to the Rams here. I mean, this is a season we all entered in wondering – what even is this Rams good team going to be? They cut a lot of guys this past offseason, uh, made a lot of uh, moves for the cap. So you wondered, they have Matthew Stafford, they have Cooper Cup and Aaron Donald. What else do they got? And they got a lot of help from those younger guys. And Austin, don't look now, but the Los Angeles Rams have a first-round pick this year for the first time, I think, in the Sean McVay era. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it'll I, absolutely I don't know. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see kind of what they do uh, with that first-round pick, if they keep it. Um, obviously, you know, they haven't been too fond of the first-round pick. Um, but 
Uh, you know, this was a good year for them. Obviously, I thought McVay might be the first coach gone this year, um, which was a bit of a controversial take even at the time. But I thought, you know, the way last season ended, he was looking out of the job, uh, you know, and, you know, the, this team is clearly starting to head in a different direction. Um, I didn't know if he wanted to stick around for that. Uh, but clearly they've showed that there's still some life left in these vets. Uh, they made some great picks in the draft this past year. Um, so I, I think absolutely you've uh, reinvigorated this team uh, after a disappointing 2022 season. And now I think you attack the draft again, kind of in the same way that they did this past year uh, and, you know, keep building on this solid foundation. They absolutely have to. And for the Lions, I mean, all I got to say before we move on, um, that, that was a culture building job by Dan Campbell to get them to where they are over those three years. I mean, you saw in some of those clips, he's like always saying we, it's always about doing stuff to get us better. Um, and it's really, it was a culture changing job. He had to change the culture there and he's done it. And all I got to say is, yeah, Jared Goff's good enough for Detroit. That's all I got to say to that. <laughs> if you have That's not fair. seen that video, it is a, it is a great locker room speech. Give that a watch if you can. Now let's head to the Monday games, the doubleheader on Monday. And Steelers, Bills, Bills getting the win 31 17. Uh, I'll let you have the floor first, Austin, and just get out of the way. And and I'll I'll have my share on the black and yellow team's attempt to win a playoff game. Yeah, uh, I thought this was an impressive performance by the Bills, kind of building on that momentum that they've established over the last seven weeks. Um, They've just become the team in football that we were expecting them to be coming into this year. Obviously, the team I expected them to be. Um, and that's really thanks to Joe Brady. Uh, again, you know, I talk about it week after week. Uh, the Ken Dorsey move was not popular to move on from him and bringing Joe Brady in, uh, while it's clearly been the right decision, it wasn't, uh, you know, everybody on board, everybody was ready for this to happen, but it hasn't clearly the thing that he's done. That's really got this team on track is he's finally, finally gotten that run game working so well for the Buffalo Bills. Um, and that's just something they haven't had uh, with Josh Allen is, you know, running the football successfully. Obviously, throughout his entire career in Buffalo, he's been able to run the ball. Uh, but having a running back to have success uh, is key in the NFL, and they've got that. Now, Josh Allen did make some great plays with his leg, which I said he was going to need to do this postseason. Um, but, of course, you know, he keeps on going, and uh, this team – Looks really, really good. Uh, the Steelers just felt like they didn't show up in this one, and uh, they got behind too big. And when they started to come back, their defense gave up a massive strike to the end zone um, on a touchdown play. I'm sure uh, you don't uh, want to see uh, highlights of for you know the next couple weeks. Yeah, um, to say the least. Uh, look, I'm just being perfectly honest here. I came to this game with no expectations, and I was still let down. Uh, you know, I expected them to show up ready to go, having an extra day of rest and at preparation. And bang, you get behind 21 nothing. No one can seem to hang on to the football. And, you know, look, Mason, I was I was impressed with him. I think he played as good as he could have played um, on the road in Buffalo. Uh, have nothing but hats off to him. I have nothing against him. I'm fully expecting him if we don't draft a QB, Michael Penix Jr., please, Steelers. 
Um, I'm fully expecting if we don't draft QB for him to be QB one, if they sign him back, cause he's a free agent this off season. And I think it's safe to say he earned himself a couple extra million dollars, um, with this performance that he did. Um, but listen, I'm, this is another winning season, another year getting blown out in the wild card round. And I'm just, I'm also getting kind of tired of it. Um, you know, and I know people are like, you're getting tired of constantly winning seasons. It's like, it's like, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm getting kind of tired of winning seasons and then not choosing to show up when it matters most. That's the thing I want to change. And I really don't think nothing's going to change with that um, until there's a change in head coach. So I, I, I personally think we need to move on from Mike Tomlin. I know there's no way the Steelers will ever do that unless he does it on his own. And Mike Tomlin confirmed yesterday that he is sticking around for uh, another season at least he has one year left on his deal so um don't know exactly how to feel about that but you know I'm full expecting another you know nine and eight ten and seven or a nine seven and one season from Mike Tomlin where we're getting fully blown the wild card round unless things change which includes hiring better a bigger name for offensive coordinator not hiring from in-house going and getting someone to come in um Really being aggressive in the draft, trading up if there's someone we want, going aggressively in free agency. That's something that really this never Steelers have done. And honestly, I think that's the only thing that's going to save at least my opinion of Mike Tomlin uh, from just going down the drain because he's a guy who made two Super Bowls his first four years. That's impressive, um, mostly with Bill Cowher's talent, if we're being honest here. Uh, and then what has he done since then? I mean – Really nothing. Won a couple of playoff games, but but since like 2016, 2015, I think he's won zero playoff games. I think we lost five straight playoff games. Um, it's just mediocrity, and I want us to try to get to that next level, and I just don't know if we're going to reach that um, with Mike Tomlin as the as the head coach in Pittsburgh. So I'm really hoping we have a change, uh, to say the least there. But now let's get to this last game of wild card weekend. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Philadelphia Eagles. Um Boy, oh boy, Austin, uh, I, I don't know where to start with this. Um, I guess we have to call them a team. The Philadelphia Eagles didn't feel like a team the final few weeks of the season. It was 32-9 to to Tampa Bay. And, man, oh, man, uh, I, I legit don't know where to start with this Eagles team in this game. Credit to Baker Mayfield and the Bucks. They took advantage of an Eagles team who clearly was not ready to play these past whole month of December, and they absolutely destroyed them at home. Yeah, uh, I don't know what happened in this game. Uh, it was uh, an interesting one to watch. Um, I know the that it, it the players are definitely a big part of what happened here, but some of the coaching decisions that Nick Sirianni made, even in this game, uh, kind of left me dumbfounded and baffled. Um, you know, they had the crazy safety, which if you're Jalen Hurts. When you get hit that first time, you got to throw the ball down the field uh, or throw it away. Um, instead, he gets wrapped up by three eyes and has to throw the ball into the dirt, which is just as good as a safety. Um, and it didn't make any sense. But even then, still being down by 16, um, and they drive the field, uh, they get into field goal range. Um, and on fourth and five, they send the field goals or fourth and 10, they send the field goal team out there. Uh, and at that point, I'm wondering what is Sirianni doing? You're down 16. You barely have time to get another possession in this game. You really can't keep this at two possessions. Um, I mean, it, you're in basically the same situation. If you go for it and don't get it, you're still down by two possessions. 
Uh, it, it They come out and they kick the field goal. Fortunately, there's an offsides and they go for it. Um, but then I guess Jalen Hurts doesn't know that he only needs five yards for the first down, and he throws a ball into triple coverage to Devontae Smith in the end zone uh, that basically ended this game. Um, I, I, I honestly don't know what to say for the Eagles. It came down to, you know, bad decisions by the coaches, and then when they were in spots to win the game, Jalen Hurts made some bad throws. I don't think it's, uh, you know, I think it's too soon to start saying, Sirianni's a bad coach and needs to go, or Hurts is a bad quarterback and he needs to go. This is a team that was in the Super Bowl last year. Uh, I think all that talk is kind of just sports media running wild, as it always does. Um, But this team has got to get to the bottom of what led to the mistrust uh, and what led to uh, kind of the corruption of this team. Uh, And they've got to fix it. And if that's A.J. Brown, then A.J. Brown needs to go. Um, you know, if it's something else, then they've got to fix it. But, uh, you know, the big person that seemed to be a big problem this year was AJ Brown. And so either he needs to come to this team and, you know, completely be a changed man, or it it might be time for AJ Brown to go in Philadelphia. As crazy as that sounds, when you look at what he did for them this season and last season. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, obviously, like I said, my reasoning, both your coordinators are gone. I think, and if you watch them, those first 11 games when they started 10-1, and one, something was off about them. They weren't dominating teams like they were last year. You could you could just look and say something something's not right with them. Um, but they got to 10-1, and one and then the wheels kept on falling off. There were reports they did an escape room to try to get some team cohesion late in the season, which if you are having to do that late in the season, it's probably too late to try to do that. Um but yeah, no credit to Tampa Bay. I mean, Todd Bowles just basically said, let me just blitz this team all night and see if they make any adjustments. And they didn't make any adjustments. Um, so yeah. credit to that Tampa Bay defense and credit to Baker Mayfield. He made the big throws um, over 330 yards passing, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. And man, what what a story for what a story for him now where he was a year ago. What what happened in Carolina? Um, really both Carolina and Cleveland are sitting here looking at this game going, that, that should be our guy. Um, but both of them made some very interesting decisions and decided to go different ways. But now he's got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, two wins away from another trip to the Super Bowl. And I mean, it's not like this is a un, not very talented Tampa Bay team. We just came into the season not knowing what to expect from Baker. We knew they had talented receivers. We knew they had a pretty talented defense. It's just would it all come together when it mattered most? And, and it finally did in this game. And yep, they're on to the divisional round. Which speaking of that, let's get on to these divisional round and make some game picks here. And this is in my this is in my opinion, Austin. I don't know how you feel. This is in my opinion the best weekend of football every year. You got enough games where it's two games per day in a weekend, and it's the best teams in each conference going head to head. It's in my opinion the best weekend of football. I don't know about you. Yeah, I'm with you right there. I think that absolutely makes sense. Maybe uh like New Year's Eve might might top it, but uh Man, but this that's is fair. Up that's there. fair. But anyway, let's get to these game picks and the first one on ABC. On Saturday at 3.30, the Houston Texans and the Baltimore Ravens. Um, C.J. Stroud and D'Amico Ryan's trying to become the first rookie quarterback and head coach duo to make the AFC Championship game since. Any guesses? Uh, John Madden and Ken Stabler. 
close. Uh, I'll have to go back and do the official research, but I believe it was Mark Sanchez and Rex Ryan. Incredible. Uh, I believe yeah, so. I have no idea. I believe that, though. Um, but the one I was thinking of, uh, as I'm doing my research here on my phone, the other one I was thinking of, a team that did that with a rookie quarterback, uh, someone by the name of Joe Flacco and Jim Harbaugh on the Baltimore Ravens back in 2008. And it looks like everything I'm seeing has confirmed it. Mark Sanchez was the last one before Brock Purdy last year lost wow. to the Eagles. Um, I completely forgot he was a rookie quarterback last year, so that's my bad. Um, but but anyway, that's just incredible that they even have a chance to get here with what started. But they're playing the Baltimore Ravens team who, let's face it, if there was a number one team in the NFL this year, it was this team, top to bottom elite. And – getting Mark Andrews back off the IR just in time for the playoffs. Um, it feels like everything is setting up so well for the Baltimore Ravens. And that's why I'm worried about it. Uh, yeah. Things are setting up so well for them. Um, but keep in mind, Lamar Jackson struggled in the postseason, whether it's his fault or not with him as quarterback, they have struggled in the postseason. Um, before your game pick, what do you think is the biggest key for both sides in this game? Uh, obviously, I think this game is going to be one in the trenches running the ball, specifically when Baltimore runs the ball in this game. Uh, I think that that's where this team sets up camp, and stopping Lamar Jackson is an impossible task, but uh, stopping these running backs uh, could be something that the Texans do and help them get an, uh, get an edge in this game. Uh, you know, they signed Dalvin Cook, so we'll see what he's going to be able to do for Baltimore. He's had some time to get adjusted to the system, but no J.K. Dobbins. Uh, no uh, Keaton Mitchell, is that his name? Uh, the rookie that they had who just got hurt. Yeah, I think it's Keaton Mitchell, I think. Um, but, you know, they had him. He gets hurt. He goes down. Um, Gus Edwards has been super reliable for them in his time in Baltimore, Justice Hill. Um, but they definitely don't bring the same kind of edge, obviously, why they're bringing in Dalvin Cook now. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if the Ravens can't run the ball with their running backs are going to be forced to throw the ball a little bit more. And while Lamar Jackson has had a lot of success throwing the ball this year, making this offense one-dimensional could be a huge step uh, to kind of even the playing field for uh, a Houston Texans defense we saw go crazy against the pass last week uh, and Joe Flacco. Yeah, um, and for me on the Ravens' side uh... – I mean, you look at it and you think for the least what it would take for them to win number one, uh, get pressure on C.J. Stroud. you got to make him uncomfortable, which the Ravens pass rush has done um, a really good job of this entire season, getting to the quarterback, um, Justin, Justin Matabuke, Michael Pierce. Oh, don't forget about Odafe Owe on the edge, too. The man who changed his name after getting drafted. Um, but he's a – this is a – getting to C.J. Stroud, making him uncomfortable, that's the overall key to me breaking him to force some passes because let's face it, we haven't had CJ Stroud really force any passes so far this season. And you know, that's the thing that I think is going to take for the Ravens to win this game. So Ravens nine and a half point favorites in Baltimore, three 30 on Saturday. Why don't you give me a pick here? Who you got? This is a really tough one for me, but I say the CJ Stroud experience ends here uh, this week, unfortunately. Uh, I'm going to take the Baltimore Ravens here. I think that defense is fierce. I think Lamar Jackson has taken another step, and finally he uh, realizes some postseason success. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty much with you, too. I'm going to take the Ravens here. This has 
nothing to do with Seattle. I just feel like Lamar is due for a playoff win, for a big playoff win here. Um, And CJ Stratham, I think this will be close. I think they'll easily um, cover nine and a half. I think this will be a close game. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how Lamar Jackson, I mean, that's the overall factor to me. Uh, Because again, whether, whether it's his fault or not, when he, when they lose in the postseason with him as a starter, they they have not been very successful. So I think him having success is going to be the key. And also how, keep in mind, Mark Andrews is coming back. How having Mark Andrews back along with the, the, the connection he's made with these other receivers while he's out, how will that all fit together? That's another big key to me. Yeah, I'm with you. All right. And then our second Saturday game on Saturday night, the seven seed Green Bay Packers and the number one seed San Francisco 49ers on Fox. And listen, this is another game you look at and say this is a clear game for the one seed. You're facing the seven seed Green Bay Packers. Why should the 49ers even uh, have to sweat this game? Um, Because Jordan Love coming off a perfect passer rating against a decent Cowboy defense and a Packers run game with Aaron Jones and a team that's just red hot. And, you know, this there have been situations where the red hot team can go on the road and pull off that upset against the one seed. Um, what are some keys for the Packers to win this game? Oh, I think the big thing for the Packers is going to be uh, finding success in that passing game. Obviously, LaFleur is known for that run-heavy offense. Um and the 49ers obviously are going to commit a lot of guys to stopping that run. They've got a solid defensive line. Uh, this comes down to can Jordan Love kind of repeat that success. When he's been throwing the ball well, this team tends to have a lot of success. Um, and the 49ers, the weakest part of their defense is their secondary. Had a lot of injuries out there right now. Um, that's certainly going to hurt them. Um, but I would say vice versa, it, the same is really going to be true on the other side of the ball. I think that's the 49ers' biggest key to this game is attacking the Packers' secondary that has been downright miserable this year. They had a great performance against uh, Dallas for the most part, but Jair Alexander has definitely taken a step back this year, uh, and they certainly haven't had uh, a lot of support uh, from that depth in the secondary to help them out in the slightest, in my opinion. So I think both of these teams need to attack the passing game to get an edge in this one. Um, But I definitely think it's more of a key for the Packers because uh, they have the worst team and they're going to have to find ways to surprise this number one seed, San Francisco 49ers. My big thing for Green Bay, you hinted at, if there's a weakness to this Niners defense, it's their secondary. That's not really saying much. Because it's a pretty decent secondary yeah. with Jimmy Ward and all them, but it is the weakness of the team. So they might have to be aggressive there. Um, another thing, they have to start the game fast. Because if there's one thing I've seen from the Niners this year, they struggle playing, trying to come back from behind. You get up on them early and get them out of their routine offensively, you have a good chance to win this game. Um, and for the Niners, the only thing I'd say really is just give the run the keep on running your offense the way you do. Because if the Niners play like they like they should and execute their offense and don't turn them over. This should not even be a close game. If we're being honest here, this should not be a close game and the Niners should win, but give me a pick here for this game in, in almost said San Francisco in Santa Clara. Uh, I'm going to take the 49ers in this game. I just don't know that the Packers are going to be able to keep up blow for blow with this Niners offense. Uh, I think this will be a pretty close game, but I think when uh, the time comes, 
this Niners defense is going to step up and make a couple stops, and the Packers defense is just not going to be able to respond. Yeah, I, I want to pick the Packers so bad, but I just I can't do it. I can't I can't do it against this Niners team. Uh, I'm going to take the San Francisco 49ers as well. I just think overall that um, I just don't know how this Packers defense makes this offense kind of one-dimensional and forces Brock Purdy and them to throw it way more than they do. Um, and also in recent memory, you take a look at it, the Niners have absolutely dominated the Packers in the postseason. I think since 2013, um, they've won every single postseason matchup against them. They played like four or five times in the postseason. So I don't know if they're going to be able to get it figured out, but Green Bay needs to force some turnovers to get up early if they want any chance. But now let's head to the Sunday games, the ones that I fully expect to be the best games of this divisional round weekend. Two o'clock on NBC in Ford Field. You got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Detroit Lions. Who would have thought this was the matchup at the start of the year to determine yeah. who would go to the NFC Championship game? Um, no, I guarantee that's not me, Austin. Yeah, not me. I did not see this coming. Uh, I thought the Lions maybe would be in the playoffs. I had them winning the division, but I didn't have the Buccaneers in the playoffs, and I certainly didn't think the Lions would be uh, playing this well right now. Not only that, just hosting the playoff game again. So that's going to be in the electric crowd there. Uh, for me, I'll take the side of what the Lions need to do to win this game. Number one, um, again, I'll say similar to other ones. You got to get pressure on Baker Mayfield and make him uncomfortable. There have been times with Baker Mayfield, whenever you make him stay in that pocket and can get some pressure on him, Aiden Hutchinson and them can, he might be able to force some turnovers. That's a big key to me there. Um, for the Tampa Bay side, uh, I would say for An Antoine Whitfield and them, uh, make the Lions run the football with Jameer Gibbs. I don't. I think that passing game is stop number one. I don't think you don't want the Lions to be able to do both. I think you got to be able to shut down that Lions passing game and create some Jared Goff turnovers. What are some other keys you think for both sides in this one? Oh, man, I'm really with you there. Uh, I think you need to get uh, the Lions throwing the ball in this game. We've seen uh, Jared Goff. There was that rough stretch they had. They had two weeks against the Bears. Uh, game against the Vikings, I think, was in there where Jared Goff was turning the ball over at an ungodly rate. And that was because teams were stopping their run, sitting back, and letting Jared Goff make mistakes. Jared Goff has really kind of earned his place in Detroit, uh, at least for now. Um, but the guy still does make some bad decisions when he is forced to throw the ball 30 times a game. Uh, he will turn it over four times. Uh, so if you can stuff the run, if you can make them abandon that run early in this game and get Jared Goff throwing the ball, it's a matter of time before you're taking it into the end zone two or three times in this game. So I think that's absolutely got to be your key here. But this is probably the first difficult pick besides, you know, obviously, you know, look at Texans, Ravens, but how about this pick? Who's playing the Niners in the NFC Championship if we if the Niners do end up winning on Saturday? Um, to me, I look at this game, and I think this is going to be a fun and exciting matchup. But uh, I've been going back and forth on it, but I'm going to take the Tampa Bay Buccaneers here. Uh, this is a team loaded with Super Bowl experience uh, and playoff experience from their time with Tom Brady. Um the big question, as you kind of pointed at earlier in this episode, talking about Tampa Bay, was would Baker Mayfield be able to step up and uh, live in the limelight for this team? And he has clearly done that. He did it last week. Uh, I think Baker Mayfield shines in this game, and Tampa Bay gets the job done. Okay. All right. Well, you know, I hear that. 
But if there's one thing I will never do in my life is bet against Dan Campbell and this team. Uh, I'm going to take the Detroit Lions in this game. Um, no disrespect to Baker Mayfield and them. I just overall think that this that this line story is at least due to get to the NFC Championship. I don't know if it'll get any further than the NFC Championship, but with the way it worked out for them on Wild Card Weekend, um, I think they're due for it. But it would not shock me in the world to see Tampa Bay and Baker Mayfield and them pull off this upset on the road because I think that's something Baker Mayfield's built for. If there's anyone who could pull off a type of upset in that kind of atmosphere, it would be Baker Mayfield. So I would not be surprised. Yeah, absolutely. His uh, his M.O. Yeah, it really is. He won't, he might wake up feeling dangerous on Sunday. You don't know. But now let's get to Austin, the game of the, the divisional game. round. We save it absolutely. the best for last. Yeah. Um, Kansas City Chiefs, Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes round. Geez, I lose count at this point. Um, Tony Romo is going to have a field day call in this game. I know he'll be excited yeah. to watch it. Um, but look, Chiefs, Bills. And the obvious thing we have to address, Austin, the elephant in the room, it is in Buffalo. This is the first time we're going to see Patrick Mahomes on the road in a playoff atmosphere that is not in his favor. Uh, I mean, I really don't know what else to say for this matchup. We both know both these teams are very talented. Every single year, I think for the past three, four years, really ever since 2020, we said these are two teams we fully expect to meet in the playoffs. I mean, they know each other each so well. I really don't know what else there is to say about this matchup. Yeah, uh, I think a big thing when I'm looking at this game is uh, how different uh, this game looks than this matchup in years past. Um, Kansas City looks weak. They look beatable. Uh, clearly, their receiving core isn't what it was. Um and I think that's got to be worrisome if you're a Kansas City fan or you're Kansas City. Um, you look at the Bills and you say, oh, they're secondary. How's it going to match up? Well, they did lose Tredavious White again this season to another season-ending injury. And while that's hurt them, Teron Johnson went out and made an all-pro team this year. Kahari Elam just showed up uh, against the Steelers, had one massive interception. Um I'd say the secondary is starting to show out just fine. Obviously, you got Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde, who have been maybe the best safety tandem in football for the last four years. Um, so I'm I, I think the big concern is uh can Kansas City get it going offensively? Uh, and I just don't know that they will against Buffalo. Uh my big question here, obviously, uh just the Bills overall on both sides of the ball. I mean, they are severely banged up on injuries. And then you add the fact that the Chiefs, we talked about it, offense is a bidding question here this season. So I think it's safe to say of all the matchups they've had in the playoffs, this is probably, you know, I would say maybe the weakest between between them. I think that's safe to say, but that's not that's not a bone because the last few have just been uh, peak yeah. cinema, if you ask me. Yeah, uh, but I think this is a matchup where we're truly going to see these two guys have to play their best brand of football because it is going to be so heavy on Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen um, that these two guys need to turn it up and make it happen. Absolutely. But, Austin, game of divisional weekend, give me your pick here. I think I know where you're going, but give me your pick. Uh, you got to know where I'm going here. I'm a man who very much likes to stick to uh, his picks his uh, predictions and his yearly traditions. Uh, and so as a man who is uh, defined as insane uh, for some of the picks that he's made and one pick that he makes every year, 
Uh, I'm going to take the Buffalo Bills to win this game because we got a Super Bowl to win. Yeah, I mean, I just I just remember you like contemplating in the preseason, like who do I pick? You're like, you know what? Screw it. Josh Allen goes this yes, time all the way. And it's just like, dread it, run from it. The Buffalo Bill pick stays or arrives all the same. So yes. um, for me in this game, this is such a tough pick for me. Um, and I know both quarterbacks are elite. We know we're getting out of both quarterbacks in this game. Uh, to me, it comes down overall, in my opinion, and this is something I always believe, uh, The it comes down to which defense I trust more in this game. And, you know, um, you're not going to like my answer here. I'm going to go with the Kansas City Chiefs to win this game on the road. I trust in their defense more than the Bills, mainly because there's so many injuries on that Bills defense. Came on, the leading tackler for the Bills in their win against the Steelers, A.J. Klein. A.J. Klein, my hero. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I just think they're so banged up. They're not going to be 100% there. Um, and I think the Chiefs might be able to score a little bit more than the Bills do. So even though I know they're going to throw snowballs at Patrick Mahomes and them on the field, whether that's allowed or not, um, I'm going to take the Kansas City Chiefs to win this game. But, sir, we're going to need one final bet of the week for the NFL season here. You hit yours head on. Um if there was any great tackling from Mika Fitzpatrick in the Steelers-Bills game, uh, mine might have hit, but it did not. So yeah. final bet of the week of the NFL season, what's your play here? Oh, there's so much to consider, so much to say, so much to do. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, – how about a little parlay bet for you? I say uh, Bills – uh, minus two and a half, and Kansas City and Buffalo over 46. I like it. Um, well, that kind of parlays with mine, but you know what? I'll take, I'll take another one. I'm going to take the Niners Packers. I think this is going to be a low scoring game. I don't think it'll be a high scoring game. I'm going to go with the under 50 and a half in this game. Uh, I just think these defenses will show up. This is going to be a run the ball grudge match, at least in my opinion. Um, so I expect it to be a little bit more low scoring. I'll take the under, but the one I was considering that bills chiefs over, I mean, I'm going to bet that one, no matter what, that's just automatic. I see bills chiefs. I'm like, I have to bet the over. I feel like I'm required to. Yeah, I mean, those two teams love to score a lot of points against each other. And they're playing, just so you add that up, what does that equal? Points. So, I mean, <laughs> it, it's not a bad combination there. But that is going to be it for this NFL uh, playoff edition of the Bold Take podcast. Next week, we hope to be back in person together. We're going to talk conference championship games, recap the divisional round. Who knows what other coaching news we're going to have. Um and, of course, we plan to have that college football award show for you next week as well. Uh, Austin, before we go, why don't you break down again the, the all the awards we're going to be giving away? Absolutely. So we're going to be doing, uh, as we've been talking about all year, the all-bold take team and the player of the year. Uh, we'll also have a defensive player of the year, a freshman of the year, uh, a surprise player of the year, coach of the year, uh, a surprise team, and a disappointing team. Um, so you can be sure to look forward to all that. Absolutely. That's all next week. But for now, that's Austin Hill. I'm Austin Wader. Enjoy your playoff weekend. We want to thank you for listening.